Bob Morris in Desert Horticulture. Today I'd like to talk to you about Joshua trees, mostly on how to irrigate them, but I'll also include things on fertilizing them, whether they need it or not, and just general growing tips. All this and more. On today's Desert Horticulture, I was sent a question for my newspaper article, um, and the question was, your article fit right in with my 15, my concern for my 15-year-old Joshua tree. I only water the tree two or three times in the summer, very deep watering. And as I remember in my newspaper article, I talked about this, and I've encouraged people when you have native plants, and they're from the Mojave Desert, and that's where this plant is from, is it's native to the to the Mojave Desert. <clears throat> when you have plants like that, they don't require uh, frequent irrigations. Remember, when you're irrigating, there are three decisions that you've got to make. When to start the watering, how much to water, how many minutes you're going to water, and then how often the watering comes. And so often, frequently I get questions sent to me about, am I watering too much? Am I watering, is, is my tree getting damaged because it's getting too much water? Well, what is, or is it being overwatered? What is, what is meant by overwatering? To me, it can have two, it can have two meanings. And I'm never sure which which it means. It, one, it can mean that I'm watering it too frequently. In other words, I'm watering it every day or every other day or every third day or whatever it might be. And the other thing <clears throat> that I, I'm confused about when people say that they might be overwatering their plants is how much water they're giving them. Are they giving them tiny sips of water? So, in a case like Joshua trees that are native to the Mojave Desert, we know, if we know the Mojave Desert, that plants growing here, natives that grow in the Mojave Desert, don't need a lot of water. They do need water. All plants need water. But watering does a couple of things to any native plant. First of all, it requires it for growth and sustenance, periodically heavy watering. And secondly, it requires, if, if it's done frequently, it triggers the growth. It triggers the growth of the plant. So for instance, if you have a, an, a honey mesquite, which is native to the south, southwestern United States, if we have a honey mesquite and we water it, we're going to cause it to grow. Any native plant, as soon as we water it, it's going to grow. And to me, and again, it's, um, it's what you like. To me, part of the charm of Joshua trees is not because they are Joshua trees. It's because of how they look. And so frequently I see Joshua trees planted and they're turned over to an, to an irrigation controller regular irrigation watering and so they're watered just like all the other trees and sometimes oftentimes what this happens as a result of this is we get solid green growth and you can you can look back and know exactly the size of that plant when it was when it was watered because it's brownish 
with occasional green growth, and then all of a sudden it has long green growth. And when you look at it, the new tips, as soon as it's planted and people turn it over, turn these plants over to the irrigation system, it's going to continue to push new growth because it's always getting water. What we want to do, in my opinion, when we, what we want to do if we want to mimic Mother Nature is I would, first of all, not recommend putting it on an irrigation controller. Anytime we're talking about native plants, plants from the Mojave Desert, we're talking about plants that don't require water. But when they do need water, we should be watering them deeply. Well, how deep is too deep? How deep is, should you water? It depends on the size of the plant. So in the case of Joshua trees, we want to water them two to two, two and a half feet deep because their root system, it may be large, it may extend long distances away from where it was, where it successfully grew in the native in the wild, but where <clears throat> where these plants grow, they're getting deep watering, occasional deep watering, and they're getting it distributed by the rainfall in different areas around the plant. So doesn't it make sense that if we're going to mimic the irrigation that native plants, Mojave native plants get, like the Joshua tree, that we, first of all, have to apply water infrequently, not very often, like this person indicates, two or three times during the summertime. And it's obvious to me that that this person has a 15-year-old Joshua tree. That means that not only did it take off, not only did it su- successfully get established, but this this plant sounds like it thrived in this location. So what is this person doing? They're deep watering this plant occasionally during the summer months, two or three times only. Is that something that an irrigation controller can do? No. Because irrigation controllers, typically, the longest period of time is about two or three weeks. You could put it on a station, and you could turn it off, and then when you need water, you could turn it on. You could do it that way, semi-automated, you might call it. But to have it automatically turn on periodically is a mistake in my concern. Whenever we're growing desert native plants, It's a mistake to irrigate them with an irrigation controller. It's just too often. Even at the two-week setting, an irrigation controller during the summer months might be too often on a lot of the native plants. By the way, you might want to consider getting a book that Dr. Devitt and I wrote on native plants for the Mojave Desert as landscape plants. It's available. You can buy it on Amazon. And if you look for my name, you look for Dr. Dale Devitt, his name on it, you can purchase it from that site. And uh, we're currently, and if you contact us, for instance, we'll sell you what we have. We don't have a lot of copies, but we do have a couple copies. But anyway, what I'm getting at is there are native plants that 
that could handle water applied a little bit more often, especially those plants that grow into, like mesquite trees, for instance. We wouldn't plant a mesquite tree in a lawn, but it certainly looks a lot better if a mesquite tree is planted in an area that receives extra water versus having it in the desert on flatland somewhere without any applied water. I mean, those mesquite trees, when they're growing under those conditions, if they haven't been ravaged by mistletoe, they they look pretty scrawny. They look, it, it isn't something you want for a landscape tree. On the other hand, watering it weekly is just going to create too much growth. It's just going to be haphazard. It's going to be looking very strange. So for a homeowner, <clears throat> I would recommend if you're growing some of these native plants that grow out into the flat desert lands themselves, like Joshua tree, to irrigate it with a hose periodically, just like this individual did, deep irrigating it. What is that going to require? It might require a shallow basin around the tree, or it could you could hook up this <clears throat> this particular plant to an irrigation controller, but don't turn on the irrigation controller. Just water it when it needs it. How do you know when it needs it? When you, well, what is it going to do? As a result of applying water, it's going to grow. So if you need growth, turn on the water. But if you don't need growth and you like the look, then hold it back. You can control a lot of our native desert plants, not all of them, but you can control a lot of them just with the amount of water, just by, excuse me, not the amount, the frequency of the application. So if you're applying it weekly, how often is this individual doing it? Well, let me read the, let me re, re, read the statement again. Your article fit right in with my concern for our 15, 15-year-old 15 Joshua tree. I only water the tree two or three times in the summer, very deep watering. Now, I, I edited that a little bit because this individual said more than that, but I edited it down into what was what I thought was most important. When you're irrigating these plants, <clears throat> like a Joshua tree, native plants that you see out on the flatlands, water it occasionally. Two or three times during the summer, this individual is watering. Two or three times. So it's it sounds like I'd have to check with this individual more closely, ask a few questions, but it, it sounds like they're doing it perfectly. Number one is they're checking to make sure that the soil has drainage and that the plant is alive. So when they're first turning it over, it's going to require a little bit more frequent irrigation, just to start the roots. By the way, when you're buying Joshua trees, start out with small ones. <laughs> they, they're much easier to root. They're much easier to establish in a landscape. When you buy a Joshua tree in the nursery, from a nursery, you don't know whether it's alive or dead because it looks brown. Well, general rule of thumb, the bigger the Joshua tree is going to be if it's been harvested from the desert and it should have a tag, saying it was harvested and where it was harvested and whatnot on it. If you're buying a harvested Joshua tree, buy them small and get them established. 
they're going to be much. And when you do establish them, amend that soil. They just want drainage. They don't want to be. They don't want their tootsies wet all the time. So it's just like uh, similar to growing cacti, Mojave cacti, native to the Mojave. I when I'm doing nopales that are native to the Sonoran Desert as a food production for food production. I'm watering them at and to push new growth. I'm only watering them every three weeks. And so if you've got an established plant, like a Joshua tree, unless you want to push new growth, remember the new growth, when you do push it, it's going to stay green. It starts to turn brown when it doesn't receive water. I, I know, yeah, I know, you're afraid it's going to die. No, it's it's a desert plant. It's adapted to this. It's going to tell you. You're going to look at it and you're going to see it starting to drop. In the case of trees, starting to drop its leaves first. What's it trying to do? It's trying to conserve water. It's trying to limit the amount of leaf surface that's out there so it doesn't use so much, lose so much water to the open air. Well, what is it also going to shut? That's going to shut down growth. So if you're planting, if you're growing a Joshua tree, for instance, what does that growth look like? Well, it's green. Do you want to have a continuous green? You know, the other problem that I see with continuous green, they they get floppy. They're, they're very succulent. And, well, and you can look at it and go, wow, I must be a good gardener. I know how to push that growth. No. You're not a good gardener. You're a bad gardener. And the reason that you're a bad gardener is because exactly that reason. You're pushing new growth. If you want to be a good gardener, then control the growth. Use that water. Now, we're talking about desert natives. We're not talking about about plants that, that are from the eastern United States or from places that are constantly wet. We're talking about plants that have responded to an environment that is occasionally and frequently dry. When we are watering plants that are frequently dry, what we're telling the plant is there's plenty of water and we want growth. So the plant goes, hey, there's water, and it starts to grow. Well, if you're constantly giving it water, what is it constantly doing? It's constantly growing. It's constantly being green. It's constantly being heavy. It's constantly, the canopy is thick and dense. Do you want that? Sometimes that's good in a tree. In a Mojave, in the Mojave, for a, the, the yucca tree, the, the uh, Joshua tree, well, that looks a little different. It isn't full and dense like a mesquite might be when we're watering it frequently. The Joshua tree stays green. It pushes new growth. It pushes new growth. That growth stays green because nothing is drying it out. And pretty soon that growth kind of gets a little weak because we're pushing it so fast. Does that sound like something like Italian cypress? Like watering Italian, why do the the branches begin to weep? 
in Italian saying, we're watering it too often. Cut back. It's The Italian cypress is from the Mediterranean region. It's used to having okay a little bit more often than a Joshua tree, but it's used to having occasional watering. It it isn't used to having the soil as dry as it as it gets with a Joshua tree. I mean, Joshua tree is native to the Mojave Desert, but the Mediterranean, the Mediterranean area, it's used to having dry water. It's used to having that water control its growth. And when we constantly irrigate plants, we push new growth. We we're telling it to grow. That's particularly true of desert plants, especially those that are tropical or semi-tropical. But, you know, I'm, I, I know that you're, you're probably going, oh my gosh, this is too much information. But stay with me here. What we're focusing on are desert plants. And when we're talking about desert plants and we're wanting to irrigate those desert plants, do it occasionally. And look at the plant. Talk to it. And some people have called me the tree whisperer. I hope I'm not a whisperer because I want that plant to yell at me. I need water now. How do I know? It's dropping its leaves. It's slowing its growth. It's starting to get a little too brown. After it's established, you can do that. You can do that to desert plants. You can do that to Mojave native plants. If we're going to know where they're from, know where these plants are from. So in the case of Mojave, of the Mojave Desert, in the case of Joshua trees, first of all, get it established. Give it enough water, maybe every week or every two weeks. Just make sure that the soil doesn't stay wet. And then when you see it starting to push new growth, you hold off. Hold off. When the growth is stopping, you water it some more. You hold off. When you are watering it, it's best when you are starting to water to build a berm around it, to build a donut around it, maybe three feet in diameter, two to three feet in diameter. Get that entire soil and amend that soil. Yeah, desert plants don't need amendments, but they'd sure like it. They sure like it. They like to be pampered. So pamper them. If you want them to get off to a good start, pamper them. There's plenty of time to crank down the the water a little bit later on. And we can start playing around with it, playing around with its growth and how much new growth it's putting out, how much, how, how soft and succulent it might be to look at, how green it is. All those are things that we can play with when we start to get it, after we get it established. So, don't water these plants every day, first of all. There's no reason for that. None, none what's, there's no, unless it's a, a petunia, unless it's a lawn, unless it's a garden, there's no reason to water every day. There's no reason at all. There should be enough soil, water in that soil, so that we're capturing it to encourage the growth. And, okay, if you're going to water, and, and, and let's say the landscaper came in and turned on the water, and it's been a month, 
and it's still watering every day. Oh, my Lord, turn it back. <laughs> Take charge of your irrigation controller. I'm going to go talk to an HOA today, and it's one of the things I'm going to tell them. And they want to re they want to reduce their amount of water that they're using. Well, that might be good, but the first step in that is to find out how much where where the irrigation is going and how much we're applying. And how do you do that? You don't turn off turn over your irrigation to an unknown, out of sight, out of mind, right? Well, if it's out of sight, then you're not thinking about it. You want to control the water and you want to trust somebody else that doesn't want to get called back if things are dying due to a lack of water? Is that what you want to do? Well, continue to do it. Joshua trees, you surround it with a donut. You put in a couple of inches of water. That's all that's needed. About two to three inches of water in that donut. Make sure that the inside of that donut is level. Make sure if, if if you're on a hill, make sure that it's make sure that the donut is at least level on the inside of it. You're going to put two inches of water, and you're going to let it soak in two to three inches of water. What if you apply four inches? Oh my gosh, you're going to kill it! No, you're not. Four inches of water, just just one inch is probably going to get wasted. So three inches goes down about three feet in the soil in a lot of our soils, sandy loam I'm thinking about. Okay, if you put in four inches of water, you're not going to kill the plant. You're going to kill the plant if you apply that water too often and you give it small sips. That's when you're going to get in trouble. Time of day, just follow whatever regulations you have in front of you. The time of day. I prefer to water at night. Lawns early in the morning before the wind kicks up. But generally speaking, let it. You want you want to push new growth. You want the plant to be watered, getting into any kind of heat that it might be getting into. So in the summertime, just water before. If it's drip irrigation, you just water it before it needs it. And you'll push new growth. Anytime that there's water in the soil and you're looking at a native plant from the southwestern United States, more than likely, and other parts of the world as a matter of fact, more than likely, when you water it, you're telling it to do something. You're telling it you want something. It's just like fertilizer. Do these things need a lot of fertilizer? No, they don't. But... A fertilizer application around the tree watered into the soil once a year is plenty. And you don't need to follow, cut what's on the bag in half and see how the plant responds. If you need a little bit more, add more. But typically, the amount that's on a fertilizer bag, the amount to give a tree or a shrub or whatever, a lawn, is the maximum amount the maximum amount of fertilizer. Oftentimes you can skip, or you can use compost if you want to. You can use anything you want to as long as it's, remember when you're adding something to the soil, you're, you're telling the soil either you want to make it fluffier and you want the water to 
penetrate more easily or to go deeper or and or you're adding some sort of amendment to affect the quality of that plant later on, a fertilizer of some sort. So in the, in the case of compost, the additions of compost, we're doing both. Well, depends on the quality of the compost, the rich compost. I'm talking about composts that contain a lot of fertilizer value in them. Those composts do both. They affect the soil, they make it fluffier, they allow for water penetration a little bit more deep, deeper in, into the soil, and it adds some nutrient value. Now, if that compost is not the same quality and not a rich compost, then it's just going to do one thing. It's just going to make the soil a little bit more fluffy so it can accept water a little bit easier. But anyway, I'm digressing. So what are you going to do? You're, what are you going to do? What if you've got a Joshua tree that looks good, except it's got arms that are starting to touch the ground? Well, are they green? If they're green, you know, you can cut these things off. There's no reason you can't. Just make sure that your pruning saw is sanitized and sterilized and sharp. You can go ahead and cut off arms. You don't want to make a telephone pole out of it. But if it's touching the ground, if there is a place where you can remove it, look and see where there's a natural place where you can make a pruning cut, a saw cut. Maybe you'll take off the whole limb. Maybe you'll take a section of the limb off. Look at it. Find out. Talk to your plants. So anyway, what I'm telling you is when you have Joshua trees, first of all, make sure that it's that it's alive when you buy it, that there is some green growth on it. And secondly, buy it small, stake it, amend that soil, and don't water it too often. But when you do water it, water it deep. Surround that plant with a some sort of a donut, a moat that'll capture water. Remember, the inside of that moat has to be level, even if it's on a hill. The inside of that moat has to be level. You want to capture two, three, maybe even as much as four inches of water and let that water drain. On we, When we have Joshua trees, we want to distribute that water over a large area. Oftentimes what I recommend in delivering water to Joshua trees is the use of a hose and sprinkler. And adjust that sprinkler so it's six to eight feet in diameter. You can do that by walking back to the hose where it's attached to wherever the spigot is located. Remember, internal houses have water softeners, so you don't want to use that water. But if you've got an external hose spigot, you attach it, you let the water go, and you can check it with a piece of rebar. You can check the depth of the irrigation. It may take you two or three pushes, but you can check how deep the water has gone after an hour, and remember how deep you want it. You want to water it about two feet deep, two, two and a half feet deep. You want it wide. You want the water apply water, especially as it's growing taller and taller. You want it wide. You want it a deep, and you don't want it very often. Okay. All right. I hear that music, so it's time to say goodbye. Until next time, bye-bye. Visit my blog, Extreme Horticulture of the Desert, 
That's extreme horticulture and starting with an X. If you're in the Las Vegas area, check out my glasses on Eventbrite. That's Bob Morris on Eventbrite.